Before we start talking about tonight's finale of The Amazing Race 32, let me take a moment and thank a sponsor. Those are our friends over at Brooklinen. Have you ever said to yourself, self, I love the fact that I've had the same few pairs of sheets since just after college. I know I never liked them. I just keep watching them every week or two and putting them back on my bed like it's totally normal. Well, stop stop doing that. That uh, You can do better. You can do better. Be nice to yourself. Brooklinen can change all that around and change your bad sheets on your bed and make them go away because Brooklinen works directly with manufacturers to make luxury available to you without luxury level markup. Brooklinen, they have a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. I love my Brooklinen sheets. They sleep cool in the summer, and then also keep you nice and snug as it's getting colder. That's why Brooklinen has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They're so confident in their product that all their bedding comes with a lifetime warranty. Brooklinen is much more than just sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. You can buy sheets, bedding, and pillows all at once and save even more. I swear by my Brooklinen sheets, and you will too. Don't wait. Do something nice for yourself. Go to brooklinen.com. Use promo code ROB. They know me. You'll get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Enter promo code ROB for 10% off your first order plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com. Use promo code ROB at checkout. That's why I always say, no sleep till Brooklinen. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob has a podcast, and now here's a guy who once stand that king cake baby, but no more, I am Rob Sesternino, hello everybody, welcome back to our Amazing Race 32 finale coverage, it was an hour in New Orleans here tonight for our top three amazing racers, and it was a bit of a straight shot, but we will recap it all. Here tonight with our Amazing Race panel. First with us, our chief Amazing Race correspondent. Here she is, the great Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? I'm, I'm thrilled, Rob. I'm really you're, excited. You're chuffed to bits. Chuffed to bits. Um, I feel like this was a solid Amazing Race finale. They're usually disappointing. This one was not. This one was exciting from start to finish. Is that Even if we knew what was going to happen. Leg design, winner, both... Yeah, both. Both will get into it. I got a lot of opinions. Okay, great. Uh, Always good to hear at the start of a podcast as opposed to, yeah, I got nothing tonight, Rob. I'm sorry. (laughs) We got... uh, Okay. All right. Of course, a man who never has nothing. Here it is. Give it up for Mr. Mike Bloom. Hello. Where are my beads, Rob? Do I need to do anything for them? Can you just throw them through the screen to me? Yeah. I need 50 of those big boys. All right. Yeah, I actually yeah. uh, I have take the jacket off, Mike. If we wanted some beads, uh, I have firsthand experience. Actually, one time, typical Whoa. like adolescent friends, not from that perspective, but my friend had a huge bag Whoa. of about fifty Mardi Gras beads, and we thought let's just put them all around my face, and it went up from my neck to about the top of my head, and it left impressions on my neck for about three or four days straight. So, look, the Amazing Race finale left a lot of impressions for these contestants, uh, maybe quite literally if they had to carry around those beads the entire time. Wow, a harrowing tale from Mike Bloom to open the show. I said... 
Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Not just a series of hickeys. Exactly. It was the Mardi Gras beads. One <laughs> okay. often leads to the other. All right. Well, we're here to talk about it all here tonight. Of course, we're going to have Exit Press with our top three teams on uh, Thursday. So look for that here on Robert's Podcast, including the winners, Will and James. Congratulations to the boyfriends on winning Amazing Race. The boyfriends to, to engage couple. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, that, yeah, the, the fiance is now. And so uh, we'll talk about all that with uh, Will and James, Hung and Chi, and Riley and Madison in our exit interview podcast. Look for that on uh, Thursday. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Rob has a website.com slash iTunes to uh, make sure you are locked in for that. And of course, we'll take your questions here tonight live. I sent out a tweet on Twitter and you can go ahead at Rob Sestrino, send your questions in reply to that tweet. Scott St. Pierre standing by. We'll take those. And then of course, this weekend we'll be back with our final tar pit of the season. You can email in questions. Amazing race at Rob has a website.com where we'll get into all of your feedback, social media, and much more on the tar pit okay jess you are pumped up all right uh take us through it well honestly rob the finale is usually not all that fun Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a you know that next week there's going to be no amazing race so there's that there's usually it's not terribly competitive like one team pulls out in front one team's way behind and then there's a team in the middle that they try to pretend might catch up and then they never do that's every finale of amazing race since the beginning including this one including this yeah i mean to that point where we got asked the question like when's the last time this finale was that straightforward and i'm like last season Uh, or i mean if you really want a comparable one uh, this reminded me so much of season 29 when they were in Chicago, where, if people recall, Brooke and Scott took off blazing after they apparently found that lady in the red hat in the airport and they never looked back. Final legs just work like that. And maybe it's a thing of leg design. Maybe it's just a thing of like teams mentalities at that point. But, you know, I, I think people who are saying like, oh, my God, most most boring finale ever. I think they need to check their amazing race history a bit, because to Jess's point, I can remember like uh, season two season 30 uh and season six probably had like some of the closest finales otherwise it's like jess says one team falls behind almost immediately one surges far ahead and one like is in a manageable spot in the middle but never really laps them Mm -hmm. and i think part of the reason that this appears to be the case is because in most other legs of the amazing race in fact in all the other legs of the amazing race you have more people yeah. You have more teams involved, more teams out on the course means more opportunity to pull ahead or fall behind. And we clock that because we're craving that kind of that kind of suspense and excitement. And we like so, the action. Yeah, we want the action. And in the final leg, with only three teams, there are obviously mathematically fewer chances for that to happen. So that's one of the reasons I always say like the worst legs of any amazing race season are the premiere and the finale. And mm-hmm. the the finale is almost always the one of the least exciting episodes of the season. I don't think this is any different. But that being said, it was just it was a positive experience. Yeah. The whole way through, it was fun. Like everything they did looked like it was fun, or at least even if they weren't enjoying yeah, it, it, looked like we might have enjoyed they were, it. They were in the Big Easy. There was music. They were eating. Yeah. You know, theoretically, yeah. What's it's not it's, to love. It's a fun time. I mean, I think what also doesn't help is leg design. And this was the case in this leg. And I feel like it's the case in most final legs. There weren't really many chances to catch up 
I feel like after that first roadblock, like the second roadblock seemed like a pretty straightforward, like, okay, do the thing and then process forward. The puzzle maybe could have been a great equalizer, but it's nearly not as big as the memory challenge we had gotten or even last episode. But like you said, this is not out of the ordinary. It's very par for the course for what they do. And I do feel like when it comes to looking at like local culture, I do feel like actually they did a really good job with New Orleans as opposed to other cities like Atlanta, for instance, uh, which I remember from like Amazing Race 19 where they did like a flight simulator. Yeah. Okay. so then riddle me this Amazing Race think tank genius. What can we do to the finale to make it better? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good question. Head to I can, head. Uh, no, no, Lord. <laughs> Will and James are the turn. first team to arrive, but you have to wait for the next team to come to face them down in a beignet <laughs> showdown. I mean, I, th- I think it comes down to final tasks and just planning out where each task has, like, an opportunity for you to catch up. To, like we talked about with the city sprint, to, like, stop, do something, and then move forward. We got that a few opportunities here, but it did feel like a few of them were just like, all right, if you're keeping up momentum, you could very easily do it. As opposed to maybe if something like, I don't know, what if you put like the beignets first in the legs and then you have to run around with a full stomach the entire time? Uh, that could also be something that like might impede yeah. people and, and well, contribute to, to different performances. I, I know that it's hard. They have to set up all these tasks. But what if there are options to do sort of like uh, each you know time there's like to sort of like a fork in the road of like, OK, this one is uh, potentially harder, but faster. And this one is easier, but will take more time. <laughs> so we could give a it a snappy name, like a detour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but 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 so but like the detour would, you know, in the same way that you said, like in the old episodes, Phil would let them know. Like, I think it's like, hey, OK, we're not in first place. We need to go for the ones that are going to like uh, give teams like a chance to sort of like make decisions of like, OK, we're ahead. Do we go with the more conservative leg to prevent defense and then potentially have a chance to lose to a team that's trying to be very aggressive all right that's like a passing lane yeah that would be and that would be interesting from an editing perspective as well where i think i mean my heart goes out to the editors in this episode it it must have been really tough and i don't think they really try nor really should have they to to be like oh i think hung and she might be in it this seemed like an absolute blowout so i'm happy they really didn't try to like you know, really paint a narrative that clearly wasn't there. And I was actually really surprised. I mean, I don't know about you all. I'm looking at my watch at 8.50 and I'm like, Will and James are crossing the finish line. Is Phil going to like send them back? Dave and Rachel style? Did they, were they supposed to walk? What's going on? And then, in my opinion, like probably the most surprising thing we've experienced in probably a month of Amazing Race happens. We get a proposal at the mat. And honestly, that is what made the finale for me, Will and James' culmination of their edit was emotional in so many ways. But to have that happen, especially like it coming out of nowhere, I feel like every other time we've gotten proposals on The Amazing Race, we've been told ahead of time, right? Like, I'm going to propose eventually. I just got to find the right moment to do it. <laughs> this legitimately came out of nowhere. Will never said in any previous leg, I'm going to propose to James at the end of the race. Th- this seemed like this almost happened just like spur of the moment out of nowhere and we were just as surprised as james was yeah that was wild wild proposal at the end yeah we knew that they were engaged because it's all over their social media bios but 
that was, you know, this, this happened two years ago. We don't know when they got engaged. You, you could just assume it happened at some point along the road, same way that Leo and Alana were dating for 10 months on the exactly. show and now they are married. Right, because otherwise so, you could be like, oh, yeah. well, Leo and Alana clearly won because they were married by the time the show came around. <laughs> don't look at the Insta feeds yeah. for spoilers, people. Now, what's the move, Jess, that you want to get engaged on The Amazing Race, and so you just keep the ring on your person, and then at some point, it's like whenever you're eliminated, that's when it happens? Yeah, or you find the right moment. I think a lot of the proposal, I mean, I have never proposed to anybody, but I think a lot of it is just sort of... You find a spot, and I think that's been every other Amazing Race proposal we've seen, because there's been a fair few. But you just see, like, they're on the mat, and they're emotional at how they've done, either because they've gotten eliminated or because they've done well. And then they're like, okay, this is the moment. This is it. Or there was one um, there was one couple where they were just somewhere beautiful, and yeah. it was a great view, and he decided that's like the Like Africa that's or that's something. Yeah, well, because yeah. like, well, I remember there were things like uh, when the lifeguards came in, they were waiting to come in first place in season 30, and yeah. that's when they, as opposed to like, I think it was like Matt and Ashley in season 26 that were like, oh, we'll just wait for any old time to do yeah. it. And I think, yeah. I think I remember, was it Nick and Vicky who proposed, or Thomas and Stephanie who proposed, like, when they came in last place on a non-elimination? Chad and, and like, Stephanie. Chad and yeah. Stephanie, that's what... Uh, they were in Oman, and he's just like, where we are right now is beautiful, We, I'm gonna do it now. And <laughs> yeah. it was just, like, at the top of the leg before they departed for the day. He's like, yeah. come here, I've gotta ask you something. Should Should Willa put a beignet on James' finger? Or have were, were they enough done with those by the time the, the evening had concluded? Well... I thought he was gonna put a beignet on James's finger at one point, so I'm like pretty it, sure he doesn't want to put ever... a beignet on it. That's right, Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce. But Jess, have we had a finale winning Matt proposal before that this has happened, or this is a first? I think it is a first, and I think, I think at a certain point, I'm guessing that Will Who must knows? have thought. Yeah, Will must have thought, we're getting so close to the end, I'm just going to save it for the end, and whatever happens, I'll do it. But what a moment. Like yeah. You see them when they're about to run for the mat, and they just kind of take a moment, and they pause, and they look at each other, and they hold hands, and they say, are you ready? Let's do this. And I think for Will, that must have been several levels of, we're about to win the amazing race, I'm about to get engaged, this is going to be amazing. And it was like, can you imagine being them in that moment? It's like every great life moment all like packed into one Thing. Yeah, the the happiness was just so palpable. And I'll go back to what I said before about, you know, people saying, well, Will and James were the, the villains of this season, maybe from a strategic perspective. But even going into this episode, there have been so much positivity coming from them, especially in retrospect, given their edit of like, we're just so appreciative of all this. And this really almost... I don't want to necessarily compare it to like the Adam Klein of it all. That's a bit like apples and beignets. But I almost felt like a very similar type of catharsis when it comes to like super duper fans, someone who has applied nine to time for the show, who balance bottles on their head. Yeah, who balance bottles on their heads to prepare for this race to actually have that dream come true. And then to get engaged on top of that, that has to be one of the like happiest life celebrations I can ever imagine anyone having, let alone a reality TV contestant. Yeah. And I mean, you can also contrast it with I'm not going to cite a specific instance of this but i'm i know there have definitely been amazing race winners who you know didn't really know what the amazing race was were actively recruited and acted like they were doing the race a favor by being there the entire time and so when they win it's like 
this isn't this isn't fulfilling at all. But these two, you know, they were everywhere they went. They were excited to be where they were. They were grateful and they were happy about the experience. And I think a million dollars at that point was almost like just icing on the cake for them. I think they would have had the same experience. Powdered sugar on the beignet. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they serve beignets at the wedding, or I don't know if Will has a continued case of dry mouth at the at the wedding as well. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk through the leg and uh, okay. talk about uh, what we saw, and it was a fun party in New Orleans. That uh, you know, hard to screw up New Orleans, but it, it was a, uh, a you know, even though there was not a lot of uh, you know lead changes, it was a, a fun night of television. I did the only l- way that could have been more fun is if everybody had to down a hurricane before they started. <laughs> sure. Well, and I I do like the cyclical nature of how they actually sort of acknowledged the way the race started. They yeah. went around that big ass globe uh, by basically being like, hey, we started with a party in the Caribbean. Let's now go to a party in New Orleans. And I thought that was a fun way to start with a party end with a party. Yeah. OK, next season, I want Amazing Race Party Edition. And everywhere they go is a party. Yeah. That sounds like a, that sounds like the home version of the Amazing Race, which I do believe exists. Yeah. Like we do. We mm-hmm. do Ibiza. We do. Let's see. Um, I don't know. I'm not a party person. Rio. Someone else is going to have. Yeah. Rio. That's a good one. Yeah. Nailed it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we started off the night and, you know, uh, Riley and Madison, they were just under a black cloud uh, the entire night. Uh, They were the, you know, they just had like the everything goes wrong leg. And uh, they were came in confident because they said coming into this leg of the race, they thought that they, they had it all. Madison and I are peaking right now. Yeah, Mike, they were peaking right now. Uh, Maybe too soon. Mike, he can't even believe it. Uh, he's yeah. Stu- he's stunned. stunned. He's stunned. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Jess, uh, time to go to Bourbon Street or go to Louis Armstrong Park and then uh, get to Bourbon Street. And then we see that the teams need to uh, catch red and gold beads. And uh, what, what a flex by Will, who tells us that he has not only been to Bourbon Street, he has also been in a Mardi Gras float before. Well, I mean, if you had to take the, if you had to look at the field of racers and, and guess which one of them has been in a Mardi Gras float before, mm-hmm. I think that's a safe bet. That's even money. Yeah. So, uh, it seems that the catch beads, uh, w- was there anything to this? I mean, there was a bit to it. It looks like you, they still screwed it up. But that's that's a thing that Mike was saying. And Mike is not here for me to tell him that I disagree with him on this point. Mm-hmm. But it is, I think, a lot of these final legs, it's almost impossible to screw something up. Mm-hmm. And all these teams did it. They all screwed up. And I liked that there was an element of detail to this task. Like you have to catch the red and gold beads, but they can only be the big beads. We don't care about the small beads. And everybody got that wrong at first. So I liked that this was the season where everybody got things wrong off of the clue all the time. And so it was kind of nice that this leg was no different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the big problem for Riley and Madison was they got the dreaded bad taxi driver, Mike. Bad taxi drivers. Uh, Mike is, uh, is he hates bad cab drivers. I think Mike's Curious. having a bad taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesse, yeah, I mean, it seems like that, that was really it. 
that they just got a bad taxi driver to start off. And then it was just like, all right, well, now you don't win the Amazing Race. Yeah, that's a problem. I think this is something that I would like to see. Like if we ever do an Amazing Race think tank, this is something we need to talk about is um, what can we do to mitigate the effect that bad taxi drivers have on the show? Because how many people this season got screwed because their taxi driver got lost or didn't charge his phone or left him behind? I think we need to rethink the reliance on taxis. Mm -hmm. I just keep popping in and out like Riley and Madison in the final edit. That's what I'm doing. I'm just surely growing out my beard for the occasion to honor their legacy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike, did you pay your cab driver this time? Oh, well, listen, I didn't you Chenna and Joyce it. Uh, You know, I I didn't sniff them. But yeah, I mean, this is always tough. Uh, I apologize if I'm I'm aping what you but you both said over the past couple of minutes while I was dealing with technical difficulties. But to have a team immediately fall out of it, not of their own doing. This isn't Tyler and Corey not being able to ride the bike on the balance beam. This was like, hey, your cab driver didn't know the difference between north and south on the street. Sorry. And look, the the babies definitely didn't help the beard bros, but I, I do feel bad for a certain extent that after being in the lead for so long, they really fell out of it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so it was a matter of getting the beads, uh, Jesse. You have to pay attention. Uh, no tiny beads. Uh, in New Orleans, uh, big beads only. I feel like big balls was kind of the theme of the leg, if you really want to put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Uh, a, big, a big blue ball at the end, uh, at the end of this leg of the race. So, yeah, that was important. Um, I did not like when you had to be in the band to get to the bakery. Well, they, that was just a that was just a fun thing, Rob. It's supposed to be fun. What did you not like about it? I don't like fun. <sighs> Boy, I need to get Becca and Floyd here to kick your ass, Rob. Yeah. Uh, I just felt like uh, it's it's a race. Now I'm like walking around and I got to play the washboard with this band. I'm not being judged on how I'm playing the washboard. I'm just I have to just go slow now because I'm in this band. Well, that's probably just you, to keep people from. Well, I could could mm-hmm. you imagine the the ta- Could I imagine what? Mike? Could you imagine the task judge uh, just being like, "Your washboard playing is not satisfactory. Please go back and try again. March down uh down Bourbon Street." I think that again. Let's put in more stopping points and let's have the shrewd washboard judge. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Hung would have gotten sent back. Ironically, like she's usually the most intense, but she was just like she's phoning it in. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we get to our task. Will and James get there first, and you have to get to the King Cake Baby. Find find the King Cake Baby in the King Cake, and you had to smush it, look for it, and try to uh, find it. Jess, uh, Akiva, and I, myself, uh, we were standing the King Cake Baby I'm aware. at one point. And the King Cake Baby was... I haven't seen people try to find the King Cake Baby uh, this hard since Akiva and I went a year without seeing him on social media. Yeah, I was going to say, what is actually harder to do? Pull the pull the King Cake Baby out of a King Cake or get him to follow you back on Twitter? Yeah. no. Hey, maybe, maybe, you know what? He's, he's hard to find, evidently. She found out. Madison found out. You and, you and Akiva found out as well. Maybe that's the thing. Is like, as the king cake baby, you have to be as elusive as the baby proper. Yes. Jess, have you ever had the king cake? Oh, yeah. I love the king cake. You love the king cake? Do you have the baby? 
Um, I didn't get the baby when I ate the king cake, but I did get the cake and the cake was excellent. Correct me if I'm wrong. The tradition with the king cake is that whoever gets the slice with the baby has to make the king cake for the next year for the next Mardi Gras. Yeah, something like that, I think. It's no prize. I mean, listen, baby is our responsibility. So I think that that's very appropriate if you're given the responsibility to, to have something else in the oven as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you also get to win. Like you get bragging rights. I guess so. I mean, uh, you really just like lucked into it. Yeah, no, I suppose. Do anything. What do you think the percentages of people who partake in that contest who almost always swallow the baby? Like they end up with like, well, I guess there's no baby. Like there's a very good chance somebody swallowed that thing because that thing is the size of a Polly Pocket, or at least the version <laughs> we got on the roadblock. It's it's slightly bigger than that, Mike. I, I think, think it is a, a bona fide. Hazard yeah, more I was going to say. Yeah, it's a bona fide choking hazard. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. As, as as a new father, I'm very just. I'm looking at everything as as various sizes of choking hazard, and so the king peg baby is out right now my baby's not having any king cake babies anytime soon yeah i think a baby yeah. would be good at smashing all the cakes to find That's the true. king cake yeah. baby but mike do not give your child a piece of king cake but it's mardi gras jess <laughs> no give him a beignet instead oh yeah. uh, no no i'm gonna have to give him like five gallons of water with the beignet if you're like will um, was there a uh, strategy to find the king cake a baby? Was it Mike? Was there anything that Will did uh, especially well? Well, I think the what helped was the sense of the size of the king cake baby. Like we we heard uh, Madison say, like or I think it was Madison be like, "Oh, I didn't even realize how big it would be." And, and so I do think there was something about expectations. You know, Will sort of did have the emergent strategy of stick. Stick your finger in a bunch of cakes uh, and see what comes out. Uh, there's probably a nursery rhyme about that. And, you know, <laughs> the other two eventually co-opted that strategy. I know we got something from Taylor Martina, I believe, uh, New Orleans uh, former resident, I believe, on Twitter about how the king cake baby almost always sinks to the bottom of the mm-hmm. king cake. So you could actually just turn it over and check the bottom. And if you if you ah, hear something that's maybe not hollow. Like a real baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Check the bottom. If it's not hollow, then it's a real baby. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real baby, Mike. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, but a very, very tiny baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Will had a good eye roll when the, uh, the baker brought out like two more racks of cake. He's like, oh, thanks for that. Uh, I thought that, that was a funny <laughs> moment in, in the Will episode. and James were, I thought Will and James were in fantastic form tonight. James especially. We'll get to James in the second roadblock, but like, I thought they had a lot of great one-liners. And look, I know that they've been primarily known as the strategic forces behind the season, but I think they, they had some wit to them, especially tonight. It probably helped that they were in the lead, so they were able to like, ex, you know, exchange some bars, but even when they were at their most terrified or anxiety-fueled, they were still throwing those one-liners out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like sarcastic Will. Yeah, sarcastic Will is great. It's over it a lot of times. Uh, so they got the king cake baby, and then it was all right. Jess, we've been clamoring all season for an eating task. All right, here we are. <laughs> Jess, did eat six donuts live up to your expectations? <laughs> God no! I, I they should have had to eat the king cakes. Come on. Yeah, I I was just like gobsmacked of, all right, they're like, all right, you're going to have to eat six donuts between the two of you. Oh, and six donuts. Will and James were like uh, on a great night for them having like panic attacks <gasps> uh, over six donuts. It was fantastic. Come on, though. guys. 
not since Peter Brown have we seen someone melt down over like food court food in a reality competition show. I love it though, because like you said, it's supposed to be such a nothing burger or nothing beignet. We had a similar task in season six, I remember, where they had to go to like a deep dish pizza place and eat a slice of pizza. I love that we actually got an outright commercial break out of mm-hmm. this after Will just like expunging powdered sugar from his mouth. It's the cinnamon challenge. I can't do it. Like, I actually love the fact that we were able to somehow milk some drama out of it because it was was entirely ridiculous. Entirely ludicrous. That of all things, the biggest thing that slowed down Will and James in this leg were donuts. Yeah. I mean, I I always love it. This is a this is an amazing race trope at this point where they have a task that is not supposed to slow you down whatsoever, but it's just supposed to be a fun thing. It's like, here's your break for the fun thing in the middle of the leg. And then somebody just like explodes over it like they're unrolling hay bales. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the water slide. Is yeah, I was going to say one. the water slide's the big one of like, here's a regular task. And you think that someone would not have a meltdown over it like they are facing their biggest fear. Uh, luckily, James will do that later on. But yeah, I mean, it's also interesting in that I believe I want to say every single ad break might have been a, a Will and James fake out. <laughs> Right. It was like, well, Will and James finished the beignets. Oh, we heard James scream. Did he grab the clue or not? Like, Mm -hmm. again, this was them really trying to build suspense in of, okay, maybe Will and James will be stopped this time. But I I do feel bad that I think Jess and I ruined the amazing race for people. Yeah, there was one Riley and Madison they couldn't find uh, where to go. And they were looking for Louis Armstrong Park. I think uh, they got it. I don't feel bad. Yeah. I feel like you're into this show enough if you're listening to us. And this is what Rob has a podcast is. We ruin it for you by teaching you about the editing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and and to be fair, maybe this is also presenting a challenge. It's going to be a little while until we have another amazing race season. Maybe this now inspires editors to be like, hey, mix it up a little bit. Don't make it always that if a team is struggling right before the commercial, when the commercial comes back, they'll be fine. Mm Because now it's it's gotten something we can outright call out. Now, Now it's time to change up the formula a bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we end up going to uh, go to then do our, uh, what do you want to call this? Uh, jumping off the bridge? Yeah. Well, yeah, first, first, first we got to go to New Orleans Comic Con Hall H. And I guess the big announcement is you're jumping off a bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hall H. <laughs> you're going to go to the bridge and it's going to be the person who did not just do the last task. And so, okay. yes, I have a question here. And this is something I think we're going to have to ask Will and James when we talk to them. Because, well, it's a two-part question. My first part of the question is, they have watched every season of The Amazing Race multiple times. Mm -hmm. They are super fans. They did a lot of weird stuff to prepare for going on The Amazing Race. Mm -hmm. If I were cast for The Amazing Race, the very first thing I'd do after I finished my driving school where I learned how to drive a stick shift would be to go skydiving, bungee jumping, giant swinging, rappelling, and every thrill-based thing there is, just so it's not my first encounter with it. And I don't know why they didn't do that. And that kind of surprises me because they're so well-prepared on everything else. And the other thing is, this is just final leg logic, and they should have talked about this as well. They know that James is not good at heights, and Will is doing all the heights tasks. They know every leg of the amazing race, every final leg has two roadblocks. Mm. And whoever didn't do the first one has to do the second one. So if they get up to a roadblock and they're not at a bridge 
or at, you know, Super Adventure Fun Time Palace with Giant Tower. I'm so sad they didn't go to Super Adventure Fun Time Palace with Big Tower. I yeah. know. Liana I know, right? it. yeah. It's my favorite thing in New Orleans. Um, they should have known when they're rolling up to a bakery that this is not the Heights task. They're not going to jump off the roof of the bakery. They should have sent James in to do that one. <laughs> just they, so that- What if they did? <laughs> All right, eat beignets while doing a, a base jump off the bakery roof. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they got to hire us to design this because I would fake them out. I would be like, here you are at the at the puppy at the puppy factory, and there's people- Puppy factory? Oh, no. Where are these puppies coming from? a dark turn. I don't know. The, the, the pet store, and people are walking around petting puppies, and it's like, oh, good, it's the puppy petting task, and it's like, psych, you gotta go around the corner to- the giant tower place and you gotta mm. jump off thing. shame That's amazing race we're, we're only yeah. this is a rescue dog podcast we're not going <laughs> exactly. to the puppy it's factory. like shame amazing racers you thought you could go to a puppy factory what do you think we're supporting yeah okay now i'm starting to get why they don't call us to design the <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean i i agree <gasps> that this did seem like odd i mean it was very actually we're sort of two for two in phil kogan shows in 2020 having the winner face their fear of heights yeah uh, several points in the i guess is that sort of the winning curse like you ha- maybe you have to have a fear of heights now and that's going to mean you do well on phil kogan shows overcome is overcome your fear that's why they put you on the show i also I- are, are tall people naturally afraid of heights I would no. assume that be- when you naturally have a height, that you're less inclined to be afraid of them because that's the way you live. Well, James is a shorter one, so. But he's like six foot one. Yeah, that's true. He just looks short next to Will because Will is like eleven foot six. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not terribly afraid of heights. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't the know. Tallest one on this podcast. Maybe, maybe this is my textbook stupid glasses makes your eyes bigger statement but i feel like if you're taller you're less afraid of heights because that's the way you live your life is a life of heights mm-hmm. great question <laughs> the, the higher up you are the, yeah. the farther you Put have this to on fall. the next census are, are taller people more or less afraid of heights i feel like we could do a straw poll like mm-hmm. let's go to twitter and put this up um you, you know if you are over if if you are above average height, yeah, let's set, let's set up a poll. roller coaster thing. Yeah, if you are this tall, you can answer the poll. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna like because you have to throw yeah. out the data. Like I'm just gonna yeah. filter it so that only tall people can see it. Yes, and I'll uh, put it way up here, Shannon. So we know you're on your it. toes, okay? Yeah, exactly. That doesn't count. <laughs> you stand on your heels. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was this sign. In my opinion, this this roadblock was another one that I was think was a fairly straightforward task that I think was made better by Will and James' reactions. Like James, you talk about sassy Will. James just like reaction to everything between him being like, "Have you done this before?" Oh, so I'm the guinea pig. Uh, Will saying like, "You can do this," and Will saying like, "I understand. I understand it's for a million dollars, but you just don't do this for fun." Like those were very mm-hmm. relatable and I think very humorous reactions to just yes, this is a dream come true for them, as we said before. But this is also something he very much does not want to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I would for a million dollars. I guess so. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, and, you know, nobody had a problem with it. It's a lot of like, uh, I don't know if I can do it. You know, yeah, even, even Hung's uh, T-Rex arms. What do we, how do we rate the Hung scream here? Was it worth the expectation? Because I know. I don't think I saw her, it. When we saw her climb up, we're like, oh, oh. boy. Here it comes. I'm going to feast on this more than a hundred king cakes, uh, more than a trip to the puppy factory. But no, she just grabbed it and let out a little like goofy ass collar. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had. She was way more excited about being on a boat. She's seen it all. Uh, I think that. Well, actually, so we're, we're talking about uh, Will and James. I guess should we go back to Hung and Chi, who yes. really ended up struggling uh, as it was Chi who was looking for the king cake baby. You know, he had a. He was went through. He was smushing all the cakes. Uh, it did not work. He missed it, and then we had like the uh, keen eye of. I guess that that was Riley and Hung. And Hung. Who spotted the King Cake Baby. King Cake Baby looked like he was about to do a base jump off the table. He was like uh, (laughs) sitting there with his legs dangling over the edge of the table, like waiting to jump and try to get the clue. I, I, even before that, I think my favorite part was the robot plump, roadblock prompt was who will be left holding the baby? She replies, I'll hold it. It sounds heavy. <laughs> <laughs> like great, greatest misconception since D'Angelo being like, oh, it's steel. Gary, you do it because it means lifting yeah. something. It was I'm a baby like, hippo. Yeah, like, oh, I must carry this baby and then I'm assuming eat it, eat five pounds of it. Okay, this is what I've been born to do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, we also, it's also interesting. We had in the edit before Hung being like, oh, I just love how like, you know, calm and straightforward and meticulous she is, but Chi's uh, detail-orientedness sort of got the best of him here and that he missed going over that and that might have it maybe not might have cost them the race but at least put them behind significantly in comparison to Will and James. Okay, yeah. let's add this to our question of our list of questions to ask Hung and Chi. Did they know that it was going to be a food-related task and that is why Chi did it? Hmm. Well, yeah, ultimately, it- yeah, he looked like when they, when it got down to it, like <sighs> He was like double fisting. He was ready to go. That that, that this was oh, the yeah. moment he was waiting for. Jess, I thought the question you were going to ask for Hung and Chi is, are, can you communicate telepathically? What mm. that's what I would like to know. Oh, is that against? Does that give you a penalty? So this is why Qi. this rule so hard ah. to enforce. Yes. Did you get Hung's telepathic message? Yeah, that is something. I think we got a few people asking this question on Twitter, um, like how. How closely could you toe the line of helping your partner with the roadblock? Yes. And like, could you just like laser focus on the baby on the table and just like stare at it until they caught on that you're looking at something? Yes. Yeah. Exactly like that, Mike. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know an amazing race winner who has a thousand yard stare and probably would do very well if those are the stipulations <laughs> of the of the roadblock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something you would tell teams in is just because I think that you should get, you know, start a Patreon for I will coach you to be on the amazing race of that. Like uh, that if you are not the participant in the roadblock, you should on the sidelines stare at the thing that your partner needs to see. Well, this is something, Rob, I think, you know, it's going to be a long time before we get another amazing race. Maybe I'll spend that off time writing my book. Mm-hmm. Um but I think I, we also had somebody suggest, I can't remember who it was, and I wish I did because I want to give them credit for this idea. Someone said, before you go on the race, you should come up with like a complicated like playbook of hand signals and um, like phrases so mm. that when you get to a roadblock and there's something that someone needs to do, you can just be like, oh, wow, the light's really bright in here. And they know that means the baby's on the table. Oh, interesting. So like, I think, I guess maybe the third base coaches, if they're ever on the amazing race, this would be like their thing to win, right? Because they're all about yep. sending secret signals to each other. That's their five hole. <laughs> There'd be a team, the third base coaches? Why the hell not? That's their hashtag maybe right wouldn't there. Wouldn't the team be like the third base coach and the first base coach? Yeah, I think unless they're, they're like rival teams. Coaches. Yeah. Like 
what if it's the third base coach from the Mets and the third base coach from the Phillies Ooh. and they run the race together and they're like, we're rivals on the field, but off the field, we're friends. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I, I like that a lot. There's some natural rivalry in there. It's almost like uh, when Joey Chestnut raced with Eater X, but Joey Chestnut uh, would have just torn through those beignets with the blink of an eye. That cafe would yeah. not know what hit it. Sometimes their over-aggressiveness gets them in trouble. They're like uh, too willing to uh, go for something when it's like, oh, you should have stayed. You should have stopped. Right. And, and, and here's like their sound bites perfect, right? They're going to be like, we're third base coaches, but we're not going home anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I just cast the Amazing Race 33. You're welcome. They got to call us, man. <laughs> As third base coaches that uh, we know, <laughs> it's better to be safe. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Riley and Madison also were there. They seem to be having some problems. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was They're, this was yeah. like a classic meltdown again. For like, this is, again, this was very evocative to me, like Tyler and Corey. I know I made the comparison before of like the odds on front runners going into this leg just like completely falling apart on one task. Like it seems like they sort of caught up on the beads, but by the time they got to those beignets, you know, both Madison and she had to go over it again and again, multiple times. And I just think Madison wasn't able to to get to it uh, in a fashion that like put them in the hunt relatively. Like we have, the, I don't think we ever saw them in the same frame as even hung and she after that task for the rest of the leg. Mm-hmm. But I do want to point out that, for the people that are saying, oh, this is the worst final leg ever, and, you know, erroneously, there was at least, at least all of the teams were in the same frame after the first 10 minutes of the episode. <laughs> and, you know, you knew at a certain point that, that it was a low bar. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a low bar, but it's surprisingly few seasons clear, Rob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, going back to Hung and Chi also slightly, I know that we, we've had the call for some gifts at the beginning of this episode, particularly Phil doing what looked like the Cupid shuffle or skanking or whatever with skanking. that woman in, the, in, the, in Bourbon Street. Uh, it's almost like he was flossing. Uh, I want one of Hung's mile-wide smile when she got the baby. Like, she looks right at the camera and she does it. Like, that is a, that is a winning smile. It's not literally a winning smile, but it's, it's a second-place smile, I suppose. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so it's an I got the baby smile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will and James would then uh, head to go to Mardi Gras World, or are they for the, get the giant blue ball out, then roll mm-hmm. it to Mardi Gras World. It's too bad it wasn't a roadblock, and you could open it up, and the question would be like, "Who wants to get blue balls?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this this felt like like I don't know if they were delivering props to like wipe out for its newest season. Like this seems really <laughs> odd. Of like, hey, deliver this giant ball to this float extravaganza house of horrors. Uh, and again, I think because they had proper directions, it seemed like we had the amazing arrows sort of guiding us there relatively little i was waiting for like okay when's the point where will and james sort of fall behind and hung and she catch up maybe if they had had done a worse job navigating there but it seemed like everything was pretty straightforward to get the ball to its home yeah you really needed somebody behind somebody else in that shot so that you could get the indiana jones of it all mm-hmm. yeah i mean it did not seem like the ball was heavy or hard to navigate it just seemed like okay just push Push well, this thing down the street. Yeah. Let's let's talk for a second about the choice to do the leg at night because it is rare. I feel like the last time we did it is in the season that shall not be named that begins with a two and ends with a four. 
Uh, but it's that some- season didn't happen, Mike. <laughs> but it's something that they very rarely do. Uh, I'm not sure why. It's just maybe it's because New Orleans has a vibrant nightlife. But I also wonder if it's because when you're rolling a 10-foot ball around the streets of New Orleans, you better give the least chance of there being like traffic and pedestrians around for this to run over. It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to go the wrong way and end up down the middle of Bourbon Street with your giant ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everyone thinks it's a party ball, and then like you're just caught all in everything. <laughs> Pretty soon, like they lift it up and they start like batting it around like it's a beach ball or race. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so the teams would uh, get the ball to Mardi Gras World, and then uh, get through there, and then we had uh, look like a, a complicated puzzle of all right, you, here's your blue ball. Just now, Velcro uh, the globe <laughs> onto it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me to Velcro a globe. Mm-hmm. I thought this seemed very challenging. I mean, it, it almost, the puzzle itself didn't seem hard, but the actual, like, finesse of getting the whole thing Velcroed, I don't know how long is the longest thing you've ever Velcroed, Rob, but it's really mm-hmm. hard to keep Not that Rob, long. Rob looks, yeah. Yeah, looks down at his feet as he's answering the question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Kiva that has the Velcro on his shoes. Yeah, I I agree that I think, I mean, first of all, I do think this is a task that Will and James had a relatively easy time with because, like they said, they studied geography. I guess that they did, you know, uh, fall into the JL rules from that perspective. So I think maybe the most difficult part would have been, it almost seemed like that survivor vertical puzzle with the slats of like, if you can't get things lined up properly, then you might have a tough time. But once you have that figured out, you can arrange things fairly easily it seemed like the hardest part was getting it up into its home on the float because it's velcro and when you bump it it comes apart and and the what did the the judge say like the assembly needs some work assembly needs work yeah that was his quote yeah yeah apparently that guy is famous um that was another thing that taylor told us yes who is listen it's it's no uh it's no mega garden lead singer Mm -hmm. that guy that guy left something you know left everything on the table with regards to saying no to everybody yeah. yeah, I mean now now we know, you know now we know what Mike is standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know what Rob stands, and now we know what Mike stands. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, it, it I thought the globe looked perfect. I don't even understand what was wrong with the, with the assembly the first time. I think things got ruffled when they moved it up there, uh, and so as a result, they basically just had to like reattach and then push it up there, and it was absolutely fine. And I I was thinking for a second. That might have been our third Will and James, will they do it commercial break? But luckily, they sort of just like did it on their second try and then move forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Hung and Chi, they don't give up hope. Uh, they are heading down to go uh, bungee jumping. Jess, I thought it was an interesting moment in the taxi where they were going to uh, go to the, uh, the task and the cab driver was like, oh, small world. My friend also knows people that are on The Amazing Race. I love that. Yeah. And I, I can't remember which which year it was that they had the same thing happen in Panama. Yeah, I think it was, I think all- that was uh, actually the last time we had a very similar, like, D- Gary and D'Angelo boxing out in season 19, right? Where, like, all yeah. the cab drivers had each other's phone number. Yeah, and they were calling each other and being like, okay, yeah, you know where this is? Okay. I, I love that. I love when there's, like, a cab driver cabal that's also working together to make the Amazing Race happen. Like, maybe that's the solution. Mm. Maybe the solution is that all of the cab drivers you get for each leg of the race have to know each other, and they have to. They also have to co- collaborate. Oh, I love that, because then the cab racers are almost their own character, where they have their own likes and dislikes. You know, they have their own hatreds and loves of the other They're one. Their own could pros be a, and cons, Yeah, there could be will. There could be, like, a romantic 
gigantic triangle going on with the final Wait, three the teams. Cab drivers. drivers are characters in the show now. <laughs> yeah, they're ca- they get a lower third. They get their own confessionals now. It's taxi cab confessions. Whoa! Oh yeah. <gasps> let's let's make it happen. Let's make uh let's make these guys so, like Jackson. Uh, Jackson was the and name. She, of- how long have you guys been together? <laughs> so three kids, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and you could have the cab driver show be its own thing on CBS All Access and get people to pony up the five ninety nine a month to find out what the cab drivers thought. No, okay, we're on to something here. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. We get James Corden involved. Taxi oh, cab no. karaoke. Ooh, I oh, love that. God. That would be interesting if then James Corden pops or the cab driver's like, all right, get in. We're going to Louis Armstrong Park. Okay, but I want to hear you sing What a Wonderful World on your way there. And if you don't, we're doing another lap. <laughs> no, I got it. It's like the detour is James Corden or Ben Bailey. Ooh, answer answer questions cast? or sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be like, that's that's a real race choice for me. I mean, I think, honestly, in a world that's inevit- inevitably coming where all the major networks combine into one umbrella corporation, that could honestly happen. Where, uh, much like Andy Dick's uh, much b- bereaved sh- uh, MTV show, The Assistant, let's just take all the reality <laughs> TV tropes and combine them into one big show. Okay. I'm all for it. You know, I talked about The Assistant on Mole Patrol, and they didn't believe me that that was a real show. Oh, mm-hmm. you want to be <laughs> clipped. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Will and James, they ultimately uh, get the thumbs up on the globe, and they had to go to where the Saints go marching in, and I said, oh, oh, well, maybe this is going to throw them off. Maybe this is going to be it, because I kind of felt like that hung in chi, that I, I was holding out some hope that they were going to come back. That's it kept, They kept giving us like a glimmer that maybe hung in yeah. chi. They're not giving up. They're still in this thing. And then I thought that maybe there's, oh, there's a lot of time left. Maybe Will and James will get stumped of where the Saints go marching in. And then Will just says, oh, the Superdome. Okay, well yeah. then, uh, there was so much time left. I gotta, I gotta say, uh, like, no offense to James whatsoever, because obviously they're an extremely strong team. Will was by far the MVP of this leg, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like, he knew how to get to Bourbon Street easily. He knew as soon as he read the roadblock, they would he be He only King ate Cates. two donuts, Mike. Well, then, so that's yeah. the, the one flaw, the one Achilles heel in that perfectly sculpted body of his. And he immediately Whoa. says, OK, the Saints go marching in. I guess. I mean, he said he's been to New Orleans a few times. I didn't realize he like had a, an affair with that place, considering that like he seemed to know every single question that was being posed about New Orleans. Yeah. So, Mike, you forgot about the time that Will served as like a three term mayor of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I did. I did not see that season of Treme, so unfortunately. That uh, I, This is the second time I'm talking about New Orleans on the podcast uh, this week. Uh, came up on the 90 Day Fiance uh, recap uh, with Puya and Hannah Shapiro. But uh, I did uh, visit New Orleans once and like you would think like, well, maybe the, the sports stadium uh, might not be you know easy to find in every single city. But I mean, it is very hard to miss the Superdome in New Orleans. Like, I feel like if I had to, if you if you asked me, like, of all the Amer- major American cities, apart from the one I live in, to name what the big sports stadium is, New Orleans might be the only one that I could do it for, and that's not because of anything good that happened. There. No, uh, that, unfortunately, between that, I like how Phil was like, uh, you know, the site of the 2010 Super Bowl winning Saints, and I'm also like, and that one time that the power went out at the Super Bowl for like 30 minutes. That was really weird. I believe that happened at the Superdome. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember about the Not Superdome. Not even the worst thing to ever happen there, Mike. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and, you know, and listen, as someone who had their own technical difficulties earlier in the podcast, I pulled a real Superdome, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
So uh, we got to see uh, D'Angelo and Gary back at their old haunts, Jess. Yeah, I wonder if this gave them any flashbacks. Yeah, I mean, uh, D'Angelo Williams used to play in the uh, NFC South. I'm sure that uh, not the first time he's been a visitor there. I didn't need to go around the world to go to the Superdome. I could have gone here on my own money, could have gone on a tour. (laughs) The trip to the Superdome sucked. Mm -hmm. I've already been to the Superdome a million times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here comes uh, Will and James, and uh, they are the winners of the Amazing Race. And it was it was just joyful. Yeah, like the, there is nothing. There's nothing bad about this. Mm-hmm. They're not. You can't help but be happy for them in this moment, unless you have no joy in your soul. And let me let me speak to those people for a second because I'll get to the worst season ever rant later on. This is the worst winners ever rant. Drum roll, please. I mean, here's the thing. Like th- that's very clearly not the case. Who I said think they're the talking- worst winners? Oh, I mean, just look at the internet in general. Mike doesn't know that because he muted all the words. Exactly. I muted all the words today, but that's my assumption. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think you could certainly say what you want to about the Alliance talk. I push against the argument that, you know, they were helped by the Alliance the entire time. And that's the only reason why they made the Alliance. They made the Alliance and they had three first place finishes early on in the season when that Alliance support was minimal. They were a dominant team. Anybody that says that uh, they are uh, even in the discussion of worst winners ever are morons and also i mean if you're specifically speaking about like worst people or most annoying winners uh (laughs) there was a straight up racist who won the amazing race back in the day so they are season six would like to have a word with you they are nowhere near the bottom too yeah i mean yeah and also there's people from a couple seasons ago that would like to speak to you as well like i i think no matter what they're they're far from the bottom here i think they were a very solid team uh, and I really enjoyed watching, having them watch their dreams come true. Did they help contribute to maybe more of a straightforward season? Absolutely. But I'm not holding it against them. It seems like they had a great time. And, and that joy, I think, reverberated from the screen, particularly in that final stretch where you could just, to your point, Jess, feel 20 years of fandom truly like culminate in one perfect moment. Yeah. Yeah. At the point where they got the approval on their big blue ball, I thought, this is really going to happen for them. And I got super excited about it. I didn't, you know, I didn't even necessarily go in with them as my favorites to win. But as soon as I knew they were going to, it was like, now I really want this. Now I'm okay with it. And how many times have we watched a season of The Amazing Race where it's like, oh, these guys won. (laughs) That's the thing as well with The Amazing Race is I almost feel like unlike Survivor and Big Brother, the winner kind of matters the least. Out of mm-hmm. the amazing race, particularly, and maybe it's because it's literally about a worldwide journey. I feel like people more so regarded about the journey about than the, the destination. friends they made along the way, right? <laughs> well, I, well, I think, for example, like uh, season 12, Harold is one of the great seasons. The winners might be one of the most boring teams mm-hmm. I've ever seen on the amazing race. There was a big stretch of time where like the winners are relatively nondescript, but I don't think we really impugn this season because of it. And I don't think this should be any different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. We got to the uh, Amazing Race fin- uh, finish line at the Superdome, and we got introduced to, uh, in my mind, the breakout star of the season, Mike, Leo's mustache! I knew it. I knew it as soon as you said it. I guess it's yeah. Leo's, like, prog mustache. He went to Elimination Station. It's like, the beard's gotta go, baby. I'm sorry, Riley and Madison. You're the only bearded ones right now. I'm going with the full stash. And maybe it also changed Leo's attitude, because he used in response, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine loving a team that you turned us more. Leo really, you know, 
Maybe the stash made him grow a bit fonder of Will and James in their time apart. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't. I, I got nothing about this mustache. I, I, I can't even. Great, great mustache from Leo. It's not okay. I think he pulls it off. I personally think he pulls it off. He kind of looks like Ned Flanders, granted, with the mustache. <laughs> yeah, but. classic look. Will and James are oakley doakley. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was good. Alana seemed like she liked it. So, uh, yeah, all, all, all good at the uh, finish line for Leo's mustache. I hope he shaved it off for the wedding. <laughs> Which one? His or Will and James? Both. And that's the other thing as well. Uh, you know, Will and James said, everyone from the race is invited to our wedding. And I said, we've heard this before. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. It will only cost you $3,000 a piece. Yeah. Now, at the point, Will and James have won. I was incensed. Why am I still watching people compete in the challenges? Just wrap it up. Bring it in, Come guys. On, we got a winner. Rob, this is the 11th season. Come on. I have been doing this with you. Do, am I mad every time? That is 11 finales we have watched. They do this every no, season. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Well, I don't know. Actually, I'll Bring disagree it in. with you, Jess. I feel like we don't get, we usually don't get suspense as to who the second team to arrive is. Like, we actually got the sort of like uh, old school, oh my God, we're cares? looking at the door, a, a team's coming. Uh, I think they had to build some sort of suspense into an unsuspenseful outcome. So they're like, oh, you know, Hung and Chi did not have good assembly. Maybe the Beard Bros passed them. Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's never the case either, but it's a flaw in the fundamental design of the Amazing Race that you can't end it on somebody winning because you have to give your resolution for the other two teams. Yeah, even even if you're a team that is still in another country when the race finishes, they still have you pitifully receive a clue that said so-and-so won, your race is over. Mm-hmm. God, Mike, that's never going to happen again, and that's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's never going to, unfortunately. Yeah. Poor Team Guido and David and Jeff are in a league of their own. I have in my notes, just end the show. <laughs> Well, and also sometimes something interesting happens with the back two teams. Like what? Like season 15. Mm-hmm. What happened? Uh, where the back two teams, the third place team rolls up and one of the other teams steps forward and just like rips oh, them a new yeah. one. Oh, yeah. What was that name? Kate, Brenton Katie, I think? Yeah, Brenton Katie, Miss South Carolina. Okay. And and then uh, Carol and Brandy were just incensed that they had made it further than them. Basically, and- think, think of the exact opposite of Leo and Alana, because I do believe uh, Brent and Katie U-turned Carol and Brandy, and so they came out like, I can't believe this happened. You U-turned us. How dare you? And it was an extremely awkward way to end the season. Mm-hmm. And Phil's like, all right, see you next season. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else from the finale before we get to some questions? So let's let's talk about I know that, uh, you know, Jess has been teasing that I think we're going to save from like outright putting the season in a numerical place. But at the end of this all, now that everything is said and done, where would you put it? And I know the answer to this question, but is it the worst season ever? I don't I think it might be top half, honestly. Interesting. And maybe it's just because it's been so long since we've gotten one and we're just starved for anything good to happen mm-hmm. in this incredibly crappy year. But this was a highlight. This was not a tough as nails caliber highlight, but it was a highlight. And I would I would absolutely put it. It's at least a top half. I don't think a top 10, but, you know, top 15 for sure. Yeah, I would probably put it if I like it's 32 seasons. If I divide it into like eight, eight, eight and eight, it's probably in that like 
second to bottom tier the uh what is it rob the the ain't no hershey bar <laughs> yeah tier. now that's even with leo's mustache Oh, uh, well, listen, Leo's mustache puts it in a category of its own. That's for our future Outwit Out Playout list, Amazing Race Facial Hair Edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I really, listen, the reason why I watched this show is for the people. I really did like the people, uh, even if they did things that we were not necessarily fond of. I think as people, they were really entertaining. I think CBS really knocked it out of the park. And for what it is, and this is one reason why I'm fervently against the idea that this is the worst season ever. People, I think, forget how much fun we were having the first five weeks of this season. Like, that cannot be forgotten that for nearly half the season between, like, all the stuff in, yeah. like, one and the, everything with the groceries and the U-turn and then, uh, you know, everything in Paris with Haley and yeah. Kaylin somehow passing Victoria and the, Michelle. There was, that there was, was the lot. sliding doors moment on this season when uh, the Newland sisters uh, could not find the carnival. Uh, that was, like, our sliding doors <laughs> moment. Like, we sort of, like, uh, oh, wait, this could have been a lot better. Yeah, so, I mean, that being said... There were certainly things that prevent it from being a top tier season for me. I do think, to your point, Rob, that you made before, I think the season hit a wall with the double episodes. Uh, I think both of them were just like not very good. There was a lot of frustrating stuff going on. I will also say I was not a fan of a lot of the production elements in here between like the yield, the mega leg, and the city sprint. To be candid, I think all kind of came up. Uh, I think they all kind of unfortunately did not do well here. And and the the finale while satisfying was not necessarily climactic so that's what brings it down but that being said if you're trying to to qualify seasons you can't forget that you enjoyed an entire half of the season in my opinion like that that's just because it ended in a way that you don't want to means you can entirely discount the fact that through the first month and a half you were enjoying this can you put this in pastry terms mike yeah i would say that you know what the ingredients that you were putting in were really great uh, there were some moments in the process, like you thought you were really good as you were mixing up everything. Maybe things got fumbled a bit as you were getting things in the oven, or you maybe left things in too long. But it still tasted fine in the end. It's, uh, it's kind of underproved, and the crumb structure, the crumb matrix, is a little bit. It's a little bit off. Um, you know, if you just left it in the proving drawer a little bit longer, it would have risen to greatness. We'll be right back to take your finale questions here on our Amazing Race Recap. I want to take a moment and thank a sponsor, our friends over at KiwiCo. While this holiday season may look a little different, it's still the season to celebrate moments of wonder and discovery with a KiwiCo hands-on science and art project. You'll give a gift that sparks curiosity and learning all year round. That it's just like uh, the uh, globe, of uh, globe puzzle. Put it together, Will and James. You'll learn about the globe and have fun along the way. That's exactly the kind of thing that KiwiCo is doing, where they are delivering an educational and fun project to those special little ones in your life to get them interested in all sorts of scientific discovery and artistic discoveries too. Kiwi Designs hands-on projects and experiences that spark wonder and discoveries. My two boys, they love the KiwiCo box. They're so excited when it comes. My son, Dominic, he's got the instructions all out. He's working on putting the thing together, not looking for the iPad when the KiwiCo box comes. And best of all, that they work on the project. You can help them out, give them a pointer or two. It's quality time. And then their project is a toy. So it's hours of enjoyment with each KiwiCo box that comes. You can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door 
every month. And while they might not be able to go fun places for the holidays, you can give them a whoa awesome experience with KiwiCo. And unboxing a crate feels just as exciting as receiving it. You can encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. My kids built a solar system with KiwiCo. It's hard to find new creative ways to keep the kids busy while stretching their brains, especially now. KiwiCo has done the legwork for you so you can spend more quality time tackling projects together with different crates for kids of all ages. There's something for every kid on your list. Start a new holiday tradition with KiwiCo. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month at Five zero fifty percent off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code RHAP at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Promo code RHAP. Let's take your questions about the race finale. All right. Are we ready for some questions from let's the listeners? Okay. Uh, let's bring them in and we have a lot of feedback tonight let's start with jake campbell uh was the winning strategy tonight just being good at finding the baby the only blunder we saw was from riley and madison's taxi driver so it's a good question because i know that uh rick devins for example and i had a conversation he was very good at finding things exactly dun 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 uh but i uh, that's like sort of the amazing race theme actually but uh, you know i think that he had said, well, the benefit of doing, you know, having, a, quote unquote, the top three teams in the final leg is that things are going to be very competitive. Unfortunately, it didn't get there. I partially think, again, it's, it's due to uh, how everything turned out with the leg design. But I also think that to that point, there were barely any mistakes that were made, like you said, beside, aside from finding the baby and the taxi driver. And I think that not only speaks towards the task, but also the yeah. fact that these three teams are all relatively competent, amazing race teams. But Mike, do you have a lot of offline conversations about the amazing race with Rick Devins? A, a couple of times. <laughs> wow. I have a lot of conversations with his in-laws about it. <laughs> Maybe wow. we should have the, the, the Devins family on a bonus episode of the Tar Pit. Yeah, let's get them to we'll talk to them all. If they're resurrecting season eight, they're doing mm-hmm. another family edition. I'm just saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Emily wants to know, is the is this the king cake baby that you and Akiva stand? Could you recap the origin and the relationship of us real quick? Okay. Uh, I saw somebody had it on uh, Twitter. It was uh, one of the uh, earlier episodes of Rob and Akiva Need a Podcast. I believe it was in the 30s. Uh, we had a stan tournament. And uh, Liana Boris uh, presented uh, the uh, things that we needed to stand. And uh, that was the winner of the tournament. And we stand the King Kick Baby. It was the mascot of the New Orleans Pelicans. And we were ready to jump in. But it was right at the end of Mardi Gras. The Pelicans mascot never showed up again. And he disappeared off Twitter. I think he made one appearance in Lent of this year. And so... That's it. We're out on the King Cake Baby. He's ops. So I thought he was going to send you a bunch of swag. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think your relationship in Amazing Race terms is like separated. You Dead know? to me. Spurn, spurn friends. But I think also, so that that's specific to your point to the New Orleans Pelicans King Cake Baby, which looks like an abomination as opposed to like not just the concept of a King Cake Baby. Yeah. Like the little baby that they found in the cake is not what Robin Akiva stand. They're specifically standing the mascot, but I believe mm-hmm. in terms of timing, I think this filmed 
maybe right before or shortly before you had determined that King Cake Baby was the one to stand. So unfortunately, Renat did not influence yeah. the Amazing Race. I, also, yeah, like, I don't like that plastic one, Jess, because I'm very concerned about eating melted plastic. Uh, that people said, no, 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 that doesn't melt. You won't eat any plastic, but still something I think about. Yeah, it, it's got to seep some chemicals into the cake. Like, yeah. it's no wonder that thing that is that, that baby a BPA free baby. <laughs> yeah, that baby's been in the oven. <laughs> what, what do you think? Was it should be like a ceramic baby? Like, what's the, yeah. the least uh, pollutable I think, material? Can I get a Pyrex I think it used baby? to be. A, it used to be a ceramic baby. I think before the advent of petroleum products. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's like Gritty looks at this thing and is like, no, that's, that's way too weird. What if it's like a gummy baby? Like something that's made out of a different consistency? Well, Though I feel that like that would melt. That would melt for sure. Mm. Mm. What doesn't melt? A w- wood baby. Ooh, a nice oh. wood baby in your cake. Yeah, oh, no, or, get, yeah. Get that stuff they make the black box in the airplane. Yes, Ooh. Put it in there. And, no, then, and, then, I, and then it I, also I, has a videotape of how it gets put out of the cake and who takes a bite out of it. No, you know what it should be? Seeds, baby. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, applause, applause yeah. on that one. Raptors, applause. Okay. Here, your, here's your beads. Here are your here's, beads, thank Rob. You, thank you. Here's okay. your seeds. Uh, then uh, Frank says, uh, "Do you think that last week's memory challenge uh, should have been on the final challenge of this week?" Well, they I mean, pu- puzzle. I don't know, but it was right there. Like they had a band play last time. <clears throat> they were in freaking New Orleans, and they followed a marching band around. That band could have very easily played that medley. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked that better, honestly. I, I liked the element of surprise in having the memory challenge in the penultimate leg, but now that you mention it, Mike, if they're getting all those bands, they wouldn't have had to hire Mega... Mega Guarded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, they had that whole brass band there. We didn't get any sad trombone also. Ah, uh, Could have uh, been like, uh, like uh, she's like, hey, where's that baby? <laughs> I'm surprised right that somewhere. It's again. That's another reason. I'm sad that uh, they didn't have the brass band because they could have put that in the medley of like, oh, I remember that from Columbia when we had to walk across the tightrope. <laughs> mm-hmm. The problem is there was so much sad tromboning; it would be impossible to peg that to one leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to uh, Med. Do we know how much second place gets? Uh, do we know the payouts on the Amazing Race? Not specifically. I know it's way less than second place on Survivor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember if it's like a structure where you get paid them, like if you get paid like every leg that you survive or something. But it's a definite step down from first to second place. Probably, maybe actually one of the steepest from these three reality shows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, let me should also say congratulations to Will and James, who finally, after two plus years, are going to get their million dollar check. <laughs> yes. Because uh, they, they, they were very nervous watching this get pushed back and pushed back on the schedule. And they <laughs> like got, their money t- kept getting yielded. Yeah, TikTok, yeah. Phil, the wedding's on right now, just so you know. Mm-hmm. It, maybe this is why they haven't gotten married yet. Maybe. They're waiting. Okay, uh, how do you think that the... Uh, how, how far behind do you think that the second place and third place team actually were? Oh, they're asking our exit interview questions for us. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say, I feel like the Beard Bros were probably 20 minutes behind Hung and Chi. I will guess that Hung and Chi were 35 minutes behind Will and James. That seems about right, because when you factor in all the time that they have to like get rigged up to do the roadblock and, and how far behind they were um, when the baby was about to do his dive. So, yeah, that's, that's, I'll, I'll co-sign that. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, let's take uh, this question. This is from Adam, uh, who's got an Among Us avatar. Uh, what would protocol have been if they uh, dropped their clue 180 feet into the Mississippi River? Okay, so this is not that they missed the clue. They grab the clue and then drop it. Well, do we want a funny answer or do we want the actual answer? Uh, give us the, start with the funny answer. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, this is the, that's the Hollywood laugh. squares. Yeah, give us the funny answer first. Funny answer is they have to go in after it. <laughs> I like that. Just like fall 180 feet and swim after it. <laughs> like you have to, you have to like uh, pull the cord on your harness and drop after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they shout like, we're not insured for this. Yes. I, I, I just ate a bunch of donuts right before this. I'm in no condition to swim. <laughs> I'm bl- well, James did say he would bloat. So maybe he could float over to the, to the clue mm-hmm. that's in the water. Yes. Oh, what would they really sure. do, Jess? They would have to do the task again. Mm. All right. And String there's only up. been only been one time that I can remember that they've had like the heights task and somebody failed it and had to do it a second time. And I think that was um, Blair and Haley had to do that in um, 26 when they had to climb up and like look for the target and they couldn't find oh, it. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's take another question. Uh, Lorenzo says, "So where was the opportunity to pass in this leg?" Feels like it was only realizing the size of the beads you need and everything else was super straightforward. I mean, yeah, so you could have found the baby faster. Yeah. Well, so I that- think if anybody had found the baby right away, yeah. that's what I was worried about. Like, yeah. you know, we talked about how we didn't want we, you know, Riley and Madison was going to be the least interesting winners out of this season. At least and at I- least this edit of Riley and Madison. Yeah. Yeah, at least this edit. I think there are better edits for them. But I was so worried that they were going to like breeze into the task and like pull the baby out of the first cake. Mm-hmm. I, I will also say, you know, the inclusion, because I don't think we've had any find a needle in a haystack task. We've, we've remarked on that until this leg, which is a staple of Amazing Race back in the day. I don't know how I feel about it on the final leg. It feels like the final leg is too important that I feel like at the same time that was sort of like a crapshoot and it gave opp- everyone the opportunity to catch up. I don't love giving it random chance. It feels like the final leg of all legs should be where the teams dictate their fate the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want I want something strategy driven, like make it make it a having to dig through the cake to find a thing. But it's like solve a puzzle to figure out which cake you dig in. Yeah, or like there's a or like there's a question in the cake that you have. I to like answer. that a lot. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, you got to do some, some sort of like a, you know, do some sort of like math equation that will tell you like which number cake it could be. Or you could just oh, mash yeah. all the cakes. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there there you go. There's your, your detour. detour. Like slow and slow and, you know, methodical mm-hmm. or just go Sonic style on it and, and try yeah. to pile through all of them. <laughs> yeah. Waste a lot of food or waste a little bit mm-hmm. of food. Yeah. Okay. Hot Nuts is back. Yeah. Yay. Woo! Is it a needle in a haystack challenge in the final episode? Is it unprecedented because it's actually a terrible idea? I mean, yeah, if you rewind us back two minutes, that's sort of what I what I implied. It's just it's just tough when you're so right. Hot drama. Nuts. Uh, so, I mean, you know, anxiety is at an all time high, so it makes for like good drama. But I, I do feel bad for the teams. that It's like, all right, your million dollars is going to come to whether or not this kick has a little baby in it. Yeah. Um, I had a challenge like this the other day. Uh, my son's tooth fell out into, uh, then he said he lost it in, uh, our very messy house. Uh, Wait, did but, he say where? Or just, he said, my tooth fell, my tooth no longer here. That, I guess it's somewhere he in the said, house. dad, I lost my tooth and I, I lost the tooth. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, it's, uh, well, there's garbage everywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a real hung situation, right? <laughs> that's a situation of like, I'll, I'll search for anybody's teeth. I'll stick my hand in any mouth. I've, mm-hmm. I have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, AM says, uh, was the strategy for the second and third arrivals to the cafe to start with the cakes in the racks after seeing how many Will had gone through? Or did they have to start with the ones on the table? Uh, that's interesting. It's random chance. I don't, I don't think it really... I don't think you really do yourself any favors starting in a different spot because your baby could be in any of those cakes. Right. Mm. It's not placed in cake number 630 in each yeah. and every one. It could have been one on the table or it could have been one in the racks, but it doesn't matter because both she and Madison had to go back once over because they weren't. So it wouldn't have mattered even, even, you know, no matter who they chose. Yeah. Congratulations to the winner of the amazing race uh, draft. It is Mike Bloom. Woo-hoo. There we go. Yeah, yes. Mike Bloom did it. He had the fifth pick overall. Uh, took Will and James. So uh, that that stings because uh, each of us, uh, myself, Jess, Dan Heaton, we all had the chance to uh, take a shot at Will and James. Uh, but it was Mike Bloom who took them fifth overall, winner of the Amazing Race draft. Thank you, boys, for doing that. I mean, it's interesting as well. I, I know that I had said this all the way back during our preseason podcast. It's also notable, uh, Will and James are our first male-male team winners since the aforementioned season 24, uh, which is crazy considering that, spoiler alert, uh, going back all the way to the beginning of The Amazing Race, three out of the first four teams that won were male-male teams. So to sort of see whether it was due to the casting or the circumstances. It's been a while since this type of thing has happened. And I would also not call Will and James typical alpha males, but it was a fun thing overall. And I'm happy to continue to go undefeated in our amazing race draft here until we meet again. Wow. You've been on fire, Mike. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, you know, I, though I think, you know, Jess was in it for a little while. I think, who know? I mean, had Gary and D'Angelo made the final leg, this, this could have been, like you said, they have experience in New Orleans. They could have blazed through as well. I, I think that it was a relatively strong group of top teams that I would have been intrigued to see in any sort of configuration who would have placed where. Mm, yeah. So congratulations, Mike Bloom, on uh, the on the big win. Jess, you were in it until the end with Hung and Chi. Yeah, it's what always happens. Yeah. Um. Once the teams arrived in uh, New Orleans, uh, did you think that any teams would be uh, looking for hidden immunity idols in the city of New Orleans? I'd like to play this thing on the field, Phil. Then maybe that was an idol. I don't know. Yeah. That's worth a try. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of uh, Florida. Will and James, congratulations on, on your marriage. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Marriage. <laughs> There's a lot of Adam remember, Klein in this in this episode. Remember when that happened in 2020? Yeah. It feels so long ago. That didn't happen in 2020. That was at least five years ago. Yeah. It's all it all happened this year. It all all in this year. Yeah. And actually, very fitting, speaking of Survivor, uh, Shannon Gus made a uh, mention of this. Australian Survivor had a very similar type of thing where someone was tearing through cakes in search of not a baby, but an idol clue. Uh, and so it's all that everything sort of culminated with reality TV in one picture in the course of this this final show, especially that's going to close out 2020. Here. Yeah, it's the singularity. Uh, it's going to close out 2020, but uh, we will not be without Phil Kogan on our televisions for too long because just uh, we were teased tonight with Tough as Nails will be returning to CBS reality in February. 
Yeah, I, I hear that's the most powerful show that Phil Kogan has ever been involved in, Shade. which is a curious thing to say in the middle of the Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. So that's I, very very exciting. And then we, and we got like some, you know, hope, I don't know who's uh, dissecting the films because it, it looks like we saw. It actually looks like did we see people inside a stadium as well? I was confused as to whether that was Amazing Race or Tough as Nails. It looks like we got a a look at some contestants running somewhere in some sort of foundry, but. Yeah, I mean, if people are jonesing to hear from the three of us, you have to wait a little under two months only to have us come back and talk some Tough as Nails season two. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll find something else to talk about between now and then. Okay. Of course, we still have the Tar Pit uh, coming up this weekend, so be on the lookout for that. And send in your questions, Amazing Race at robhasawebsite.com. Uh, before we talk about what else is coming up, uh, a- any other Amazing Race thoughts tonight? One final thought. Yes. Because I-, I feel like this is just a summation of everything I loved about this show. When Hung and Chi are rappelling down the bridge, they pan out and they're looking out and Hung's like, this is amazing. And then you have Chi say, yeah, this is neat. Mm-hmm. You're like, maybe that's that's how I feel about the whole season as a whole. Are you this Hung or Chi? This is neat. I'm Chi in this. Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. Very neat. This is neat. It, and I was talking before we came up here. Uh, it is. It's weird to me that this is ending for a number of reasons. A, this has been a season that has been on. Amazing Race fans' minds, and certainly these teams' minds, for two years, and is finally happening. It's happening at a very weird time, but for me at least, from like a coverage perspective, this also means that 2020 is essentially over, for better mm-hmm. or for worse. And like we just talked about, it was an odd year of reality TV, so to now like sort of realize that you know the, the clocks and months are turning now, and granted, we're going to have much more reality TV to talk about as soon as February 10th, but... There was a sense of finality to this that almost made me a little verklempt at points, to use a Yiddish word, Rob, that I'm sure you're very familiar yeah. with. Uh, you know, this this was a really nice way, and this is a really fun way to talk through it. Look, this season certainly had frustrating moments, uh, and, and I hope we, we served, even in light of some times where people might not like the season, we served as ways to talk about it, to goof on it, to overall have fun with it. Because The Amazing Race, I say this many times, is fun and good. We try to have a fun and good time. I had certainly have had a fun and good time this season. And I hope everyone out there has as well. Okay. Well, is this uh, the end of competition reality for uh, 2020? The, this is the last winner we'll get in 2020. Yeah, at least the last one. Because obviously challenge the challenge is going on. Yeah. The challenge is going. I think the mass Dancer is starting in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. And uh, the mass Singer, I believe, just finished about like 45 minutes oh, ago. So, okay. Yes. So I think competition reality. We'll see if D'Angelo sort of Williams was uh, revealed. <laughs> Yeah, Could exactly. You he pulls off his mask like I didn't. I could have paid money to just get in my own costume and dance around. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't need do this. this. I didn't need to wear this costume. <laughs> this then, costume sucks. And then <laughs> Gary pops out of the butt of the horse costume. He's like, he actually had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, let's talk about what's coming up here on Rob has a podcast. Yeah, if you want to hear some more about what's going on in uh, New Orleans as we chronicle the uh, relationship of Jovi and Yara uh, and much more, check out Puya Zambakili and I as we are chronicling 90 Day Fiance Season 8. And speaking of Adam Klein, one of his castmates Hannah Shapiro joined us this week for a very fun conversation as we went through everything. Uh, we talked about this idiot Brandon as uh, featured here and uh, many of the other couples on 90 Day Fiance. And Hannah was, I think, going back to her nap history, I believe she was the one that came onto the podcast to talk 90 Day. So not only is Hannah just an incredibly talented yes. guest in her own it right, all comes she's back got the to knowledge. Renap. Yeah, everything's a Renap spinoff. 
There you go. All right. Uh, check that out. Oh, sequester. This show is the best, sir. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that the, is, wait, did, Rob, did you just write the theme song to Sequester? I did not. Will from America wrote the theme song to uh, the Sequester Rehap Up. Uh, I was going to say, is there is there a Sequester wand off that I'm not aware no, of? No, no. Uh, it's, a, it's a great, it's, it's a bop, the uh, Sequester RHAP theme song. Taryn Armstrong was joined by Melissa Denny to talk about our friend Brent and all of the uh, sequester players who are out there. Uh, what you could shudder to think, look, we've done a great job this season. You, you could only imagine what the downloads would have been if we would have had Brent joining us, though, on the panel all season long. Big ratings. Mm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I know that he's it's important to keep him around. That's what I understand. I, mm-hmm. I, I love this idea. It's sort of like uh, two friends talking about the third friend, like in, who's in the other room. That sort of was what this feels like with two LFC people talking about the performance of the third LFC person. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's true. Like, you see, I, I just want to say RHAP is like the 14th cast member of Sequester. Yeah, like, they talk about RHAP constantly. Sequester has been really, really fun. Josh Wiggler approved. Uh, check Ooh. out Sequester season four and then uh, check out uh, Taryn has weekly recaps uh, with very fun guests, including uh, the great Melissa Denny from uh, Monday night up at robhasawebsite.com. On uh, News AF, uh, we talked about how uh, Wisconsin is warning its residents, uh, cut down on the cannibal sandwiches, a.k.a. tiger meat sandwiches. Jess, are you familiar with this? Yes, this is the thing that's the raw hamburger. Yeah, raw meat, onions uh, on a bun. Yeah, That's better than what you might initially think either a cannibal sandwich or a tiger meat sandwich is so i'd, ra- I'm okay I'd rather have human meat if it's cooked interesting all right put this on the census would you rather rather eat raw ground <laughs> beef or cooked human i want a good dining experience <laughs> like protein be damned yeah i think i'd rather eat the raw beef than uh cooked human i've eaten raw beef Listen, my conscience can take it. It has many times. I don't think my digestive system can if I'm having raw beef. You've never had steak tartare? No, I'm Mm. not fancy. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Check that out. Uh, Last night, we tried something new out. Look, it's the Survivor off season. We're taking some big swings right now, okay? (laughs) Making big moves. We're making big moves. We're taking big swings. Uh, Jordan Kalish and I were talking about the idea of, like, what if we, uh, could we do this week in Survivor history without the Survivor? Without Survivor being on? We said, what if we turned the This Week in Survivor history quiz into a full-fledged game show? That's what we did. So was born Twish Ultimate Trivia. We had a great time last night with Frail Mary, Mary Krakowski, Jason Reed, Sasha Joseph, who we talked to on the Tar Pit a couple of weeks ago. Uh, They battled it out in the Ultimate Survivor Trivia Challenge. Check it out. Again, it's uh, much like uh, the Cannibal Sandwich. Uh, Not fully cooked yet. We're going to tweak it a little bit. And then uh, got a good response. We're going to bring it back in February. When we have weeks of Survivor history to talk about on Twitch hmm. Ultimate Trivia, check it out with Jordan Kalish. 
Very but fun. As long as, he has an, as long as he has a number cruncher, I think that should be fine. Yes, uh, Jess, I would definitely like your feedback if you have a chance to listen to Twish Ultimate Trivia. Uh, check out what's going on on The uh, Bachelorette. It is getting down to crunch time. Uh, the men are telling all. Check out what Haley and Amy have to say about what's going on over on uh, The Bachelorette and The Masked Singer. Find out who the winner is going to be on Last Mask Standing, Puya and Liana of all the coverage as uh, we learn who the winner of The Masked Singer is and whether or not it is D'Angelo Williams. Uh, Then Liana will join uh, Mike and myself for a big podcast. We're working on Outwit, Outplay, Atlas, number four, Best Survivor Voting confessionals, most memorable confessionals. Yeah, so this one has been a long time coming. Of course, across hundreds of Survivor contestants, according to Colin Stone, most who have played with Amazing Race alumni Boston Rob, uh, we have had people spill their guts or just throw shade in the voting confessional to the camera as they're casting their vote. You, myself, and Liana are going to talk through 20 of those most memorable instances. And spoiler alert, one of our panelists might be on the list this time. Okay. Well, I hope it's Jess. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. All right. Uh, then tomorrow, uh, Jessica Lee and I will talk to our top three teams, including your winners of The Amazing Race. We'll get that podcast out on Thursday afternoon for you to hear uh, the, uh, the big three from The Amazing Race. <laughs> 32. Uh, Mike, will you also have uh, the exit press coming tomorrow? I will. So I'll be talking to, to all three teams pretty much in a row. I will try my best to have all of them be out at some point over the course Thursday, but be sure to check all that out at parade.com. Yeah. Of course, uh, you could check out some RHAP uh, merch over at robswebsitecom slash shop, including uh, some new amazing race entries uh, featuring depictions of uh, this panel on the show. Uh, myself and uh, Mike and Jess. Uh, check that out. And much more over at robswebsitecom slash shop. If you haven't been there in a while, you your mind will be blown uh, at all the additions there. robswebsitecom slash shop of course uh all this podcasting is made possible by the wonderful patrons of rob has a podcast got together with the first lady of podcasting for the patron five for five uh this week another fun one uh much more going on in our patron uh facebook group discord uh we're doing patron activities every single week uh join us over at rob has a website.com slash patron to get in on the fun of check out our annual membership as well that you pay for 11 months and you get the 12th month free at rob slash patron and also follow us on social media we always share clips of the shows even when you miss them you can uh, catch up on the best of what's going on at rob has a podcast at rob has a podcast on twitter or at rhap grams on insta thank you so much uh scott behind the scenes okay Jess, what's coming up next for you? Um, well, I got I got a plan to hang out with this other gentleman here. Uh, Mike Bloom and I are going to be talking Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, four, very, very four episodes left. Yep, we got four episodes left. Is and, that the um, whole end of yep. the whole season, or that's like yep. going to take a break? Yep. But then we're going to be jumping right into another Star Trek. I'm sure. I'm sure. At, at some point, they're they're all they're all filming right now. So mm-hmm. we might sooner rather than later we're, we're going to be talking about Star Trek, but. I mean, I don't know. Should we should we start also plugging stuff for 2021, considering that's apparently a few weeks away? Sure. I mean, I mean, we sure can. 
But um, I was also going to talk about another thing that we're allowed to talk about now, Rob, that uh, you and Josh Wiggler and I are going to be talking later this week about on uh, CBS All Access. There's going to be a miniseries based on Stephen King's The Stand. And initially, the plan was we were going to blow it out. We were going to watch the original miniseries leading up. We're going to do a preview show. We're going to watch every episode. And then Josh Wiggler watched some of it. And Spoiler now he's alert. mad at it yeah. and refuses to do it. So we're doing <laughs> oh, really, one episode. Really pulling back the curtain. Yeah, we're doing one episode recap. Josh is going to come in shot out of a cannon. He has a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, and here, here goes the bus. Oh, and there's Josh. <laughs> there he is, just right under that bus. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm mad because I wanted it to be good, and I was really living for the opportunity to geek out about The Stand, mm-hmm. which is one of my secret slumdog millionaire things. And... um. But we are going to talk about at least one episode of it, and it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a great story, no matter how badly you tell it. <laughs> okay, be on the lookout for that. Uh, Mike, what did you want to talk about from 2021? So I guess first, uh, we're still remaining in 2020. Okay. So you said the Amazing Race exit interviews. Jess and I are covering Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Josh Wiggler and I are finishing off 2020 strong with Down the Hatch. Just clocked in another three-hour installment talking about the man behind the curtain. Uh, not just, you know, revealing how much Josh will enjoyed the standard lack thereof, but big Benjamin Linus episode. We get into all things Ben and beyond on Down the Hatch, continuing that lost rewatch. Uh, Shannon, Gus, and I, we announced this on the podcast to do with you, Rob. Starting in 2021, we're going to be covering Survivor South Africa Season 5, a season that neither one of us have seen and is available online. It is on YouTube. And also, there might be uh, some other Survivor South Africa news coming to people mm-hmm. very soon uh, that might be worth talking about. And then over on Poster Recaps, there's a couple of really exciting stuff going on in 2021 from my perspective. I will not say much. Uh, I will only say I want to believe that you will not have to go very far to enjoy it. Maybe into the West, but not very far after that. Okay. All right. Believe it. We'll leave it at that. Of course, uh, we announced this week about we are going to be uh, doing the biggest Survivor fan rankings of the season uh, ever conducted. You can cast your ballot for uh, the top 40 seasons of all time. Uh, you go to robiswebsite.com slash top 40 poll. Cast your ballot between now and December 23rd. The tabulator is going to put it all together. And one week at a time, we are going to go countdown from 40 to 1 with a look back at each of the Survivor seasons. Myself and a uh, panel of experts uh, will go through the seasons uh, from your rankings of 40 to 1 and reveal the uh, next ranking each week in uh, 2021 on Rob as a podcast. So I'm very excited to get that started. But uh, I'm thinking we're going to get like uh, 2,000, 2,500 ballots uh, for this thing. I don't think anybody's ever uh, done that before. Right. And also, you know, there have certainly been questions to us as to like amazing race stuff to do. I think it's safe to say Jess implied it before. At some point in this terminally long off season, I'm sure Jess, you and me and Dan Heaton will get back together to do a re-ranking of all the seasons of Amazing Race up to this point. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so, and we might fold in a couple of international editions as well. And speaking of international editions, can't promise anything, but I know that Amazing Race Australia is filming, and it will drop next year. So we'll find a way to cover that at least the preseason. 
Mm-hmm. And depending on what else is going on, maybe the entire thing, because that might be all we have. Right. And I also know there was some discussion as well about like, maybe there's a chance that that maybe the three of us end up watching slash rewatching an Amazing Race season. So stay tuned. There might be, even though there might not be Amazing Race proper coming to your feeds from a new perspective this coming year, that doesn't mean new Amazing Race podcast might not be here. All right. Uh, also, uh, be sure to check out coverage of The Challenge uh, later on this week. Uh, challenge airs a Wednesday night over on MTV. Brian and Allie will have a full recap of uh, The Challenge Double Agents uh, episode two uh, later this week in our Rehap Ups feed. Uh, thank you so much, everybody watching of course if you uh are interested in anything we talked about from our sponsors now you can find out more information about all of our sponsors of the podcast at robiswebsite.com slash offers take care everybody have a good one bye Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, free. No subscriptions. No fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of The Amazing Race, Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in and watch free.